If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. Kids are, through trick-or-treating, they are empowered to recognize that they can make a difference in the world. We were just fortunate enough to have that aha moment to say like, oh, this technology we were working on over here, actually, if you go like this and like this and like this, it could be a digital trick-or-treat box. Over the past seven decades, trick-or-treat for UNICEF has given school children a way to make a difference. And they've made that difference for literally millions of other children all over the world. This year, Trick or Treat for UNICEF is not canceled. It looks a little different, but the mission remains the same. Ryan Majeski is Managing Director of UNICEF Ventures. He and his team are in charge of creating programs and products to accelerate social innovation. To his work at UNICEF, Ryan brings a professional background which includes both game design and the creation of digital educational applications including the RR Kids program for the Reading Rainbow series. And Ryan and his team are the designers of UNICEF's 2020 virtual trick-or-treat for UNICEF program. Ryan, I would love to know how you first got inspired to do what your Twitter account says, to use your digital skills to make some really cool stuff. Yeah, well, you know, my background is actually in the video games space. So I got into gaming in the late 90s. And As my career evolved, I kept getting pushed into more educational products. And so I really quickly went from like kind of mass market, casual games into the educational space. And as I took every step of my career, I got more and more into purpose-driven work or impact-driven work. And so I landed here somehow, and it's been really great. Would you tell me the story, please, of creating Digital Trick Retreat for UNICEF? Yeah. So as you can imagine, Trick or Treat has been a program for the last 70 years. It's the longest running kid philanthropic program like this. And it's been uninterrupted this entire time. There's never been a year where UNICEF did not run their Trick or Treat program. And we've actually, you know, over the last 70 years, it's raised $180 million to support the children and healthcare, nutrition, safe water, et cetera. And when the coronavirus came along in March, we saw it coming and immediately knew that we were going to have to do something different this year for trick-or-treat. And so by June, we had settled on a completely virtual trick-or-treat experience for kids where they're going to be asked to get their virtual trick-or-treat boxes and go around on Zoom calls or or to friends and family and, and solicit donations that way, just like they would door-to-door normally. In our imagination, let's say that we have some small trick-or-treaters who can't go out this year and we enroll them. What do they experience? Yeah, so the mental model is actually almost exactly the same. When you are a kid in a classroom, your teacher orders you your trick-or-treat boxes. They show up. There's some educational material that the teacher explains to the kids about why we trick-or-treat for UNICEF, all the good UNICEF does for the world. And it really pushes or, or delivers that story of kids helping kids to their classroom. And then the kids take their trick-or-treat boxes home. And when they go out trick-or-treating, they just have the box with them. And they collect coins from their neighbors or maybe, you know, 10 bucks from grandma or, or whatever the case may be. 
And this year, it's really so much the same. The teacher's going to get a virtual trick-or-treat box that they sign up for. And when they take that box, they'll give each of the kids like a fundraising kit, which includes QR codes, cool Zoom backgrounds, and you know, posters they can put up in their neighborhood with you know, the links and the QR codes on it. And when, the, when someone scans that QR code or hits that link on Instagram or whatever they want to do, they're taken to their own unique fundraiser page. So it's kind of like a, we created our own UNICEF-specific crowdsourcing platform. And then each kid will be able to collect money that way. The money will immediately show up in their trick-or-treat box so they can still see what's in there you know, in a really tangible way. We convert the money that they earn into trick-or-treat coins. And then the kids this year for the first time can actually then take those coins and tell us how they think they would like it to be spent at UNICEF. And so we have a few different options of things that we do at UNICEF already about like you know, vaccinating children or N95 masks for healthcare workers or clean water tablets for families. And with all of that, they can tell us how they want it to be spent and we'll, you know, take it all into consideration. I love that the kids get a choice this year of how they want to do the most good. Yeah. Tell me about these cool backgrounds too, the Zoom backgrounds. Oh, sure. Yeah. So in the kit you get, we have a few Zoom backgrounds. You can use it on Google Meets or whatever you want. But, you know, as you know, most kids are using Zoom in the classroom already. So this should be really familiar to them. And on them, we'll have the unique QR code of their box, whether it's, you know, your family downloads, uh, signs up and gets the box and everyone in the family can be doing it or your classroom or your youth group or after school program, whatever. Yeah. You'll have those, those unique QR codes in the back. And so just like you and I are chatting on a Zoom call, I could throw up the background and you could take your phone and actually like zap it right there and donate a couple bucks to my campaign. How much fun does that sound? Yeah, it's really great. What's the website and the link for parents and or teachers to log in and get this? Yeah, it is actually trickortreatforunicef.org, all spelled out. And when you go there right now, we're launching the website on October 1st. You'll be able to go there and see everything that's going on, click the register button, and it takes like less than a minute to sign up. Well, what's really nice is we're pre-recorded. So when I put this up, this is going to be fully up and running. How long are you running this? Yes. The other cool thing is historically, trick-or-treat and stuff has happened just on Halloween night, right? So we asked the kids to take their boxes out trick-or-treating with them. But this year, everything's virtual. Everyone's home. So we're trying to make the campaign a month-long campaign. You can maybe imagine it more like a, like a jogathon fundraiser where you can ask your friends and family, your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles to give a couple bucks here and there throughout the month. And then that way on Halloween, the classroom, if it's a classroom experience, the whole classroom can come together and celebrate how many coins they've all earned together and have a big celebration moment where they get to choose together where they want the coins to go. But it's, it's, a, you know, it's a whole month long. And then we give you a little extra time after Halloween to finish spending your coins. So the campaign ends you know, done and done on November 15th. So that's a good window of time then for anybody yeah. who gets in a little bit late. I did read, did I not, that you were a dad? That's true. I'm a dad of three. I have a, a 12-year-old boy, a nine-year-old daughter, and a five-year-old daughter. And were they consultants on this, what they told you what might work, what might not? Yeah, actually, I wanted to get through the development cycle far enough that when we started doing our focus group testing, my very first focus group member was my nine-year-old who you know, on purpose, didn't know anything about what I was doing. And I was able to show it to her. And she gave me all kinds of very honest and brutal feedback as kids do. 
That's my favorite thing about working for kids. And, you know, I'd rather embarrass myself in front of my family than embarrass myself in front of my world. So that was great. And then we did focus testing with teachers, both historical trick-or-treat using teachers, brand new teachers who don't know anything. And we're able to really kind of, you know, we're still two days out dialing in all the bits and bobs to get it just right for, for everyone on the first. When you take something as beloved as trick-or-treat for UNICEF or as reading Rainbow in your background and make it digital, what do you have to do to keep the magic element? Yeah, well, for me, it's about really dialing in on what the core essence of the product is, or like the heart and the soul of the product. So with Reading Rainbow, it was a television show, and it was a beloved as a television show, but it wasn't the medium that made it beloved. It was the experience of connecting storytelling that you're reading in books with the videos that LeVar would make, and combining those together to show this continuity of both your learning and comprehension and reading, but also how the stories you read apply to the real world. And so, you know, when you realize that's what the soul of the product is, you can start scraping off the parts that don't matter and reassembling the parts that do matter. And so with Trick or Treat, again, it's something that's been around for 70 years and it's been about the same the whole time. And at the end, the story is very simple. It's kids are through trick or treating they are empowered to recognize that they can make a difference in the world. And so that's why when you take a digital, it feels so much the same because these kids are still learning about how they can help kids around the world and be empowered to help kids around the world. And then we took it the extra step by adding that idea of kids get to choose where the funds, where they would like the funds to go. And that is a, like this extra level of empowerment that we get to deliver on top of everything else. What do you consider one of the best creative lessons that you learned from developing virtual trick-or-treat for UNICEF and maybe from the input of your nine-year-old or the input <laughs> of the focus groups? Yeah, so one of the best lessons I've learned. Yeah, that's a great question. We, I have to say that we did this so fast. So we've been working on technology for UNICEF for about five years, my team has. And we were just fortunate enough to have that aha moment to say like, oh, this technology we were working on over here, actually, if you go like this and like this and like this, it could be a digital trick-or-treat box. So for me, it was just one part of it was to have that wonderful aha moment that I really crave as a designer and developer to say, oh, this thing could be so much bigger and better. And, and then it's just, I love the art and the craft of it. Like I love, I love the design. I love coming up with the idea. I love the creative part of it. But then I also really, really enjoy the nuts and bolts of the work. And for this project, it was more nuts and bolts than, than creativity in a lot of ways, because we had this soul to work from. We had like the new robot parts that we could kind of like snap on and make this new thing. And it was really just about coordinating a huge team across all of the UNICEF USA organization to come together, whether it's the the, you know, they're getting the business model right to making sure that, you know, it's going to be a, a good fundraising platform that works within our frameworks or working with our creative and design team to get the images, you know, just looking right and, and making sure everything falls together or doing the, the focus groups where, you know, we have all these constituents up above giving pressure from above. We have the users from below who say they want a different thing and getting all those little elements to work together in a way that makes everyone happy. And it's just like this kind of like, uh, I don't know, I like to imagine like a spinal column that's just like perfectly stacked. And there's like a, a ray of light going up through it to say like the users get what they want. 
the, you know, the stakeholders get what they want, the funders get what they want, and everyone is happy. That's where I think good user experience and good business comes from. What a great mental image to a spinal column <laughs> with a ray of light, just throwing <laughs> off sparks every which way and a lot of light illuminating the world. I really like that. <laughs> what if somebody listening wants to make an interactive digital experience and is an educator as you are and an entertainer and doesn't quite know where to start? What's your advice and what resources do you really like? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been making digital products since the late 1990s, you know, and I've lived through so many sea changes and disruptions of the economy, disruptions of the means of production, all of that. And I think there's no better time than now in the 20 gazillion years I've been doing this work to just grab the reins and do something. You know, I started my own business, much like you're suggesting in like 2012, 2013, where I was working for a video game company. I was pretty disaffected with, with the work I was doing. It was just fairly like factory work. You know, we were making hidden object games and they'd really dialed in the business model. And so there wasn't really much to do except for the craft, right? Like, it's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, Sherlock Holmes theme today. It's like, okay, we make a Sherlock Holmes thing. It's the exact same thing as every other time. And it was really great to take everything I learned there and just say, you know what, I want to do my own thing. And so I went ahead and started a studio called Honeybee Labs. And I just went for it. And I think the most exciting part was that I didn't change who I was, but the world's perception of me changed overnight. You know, I went from like a producer at a video game company, which is like, back then, you know, like a project manager, basically, to a CEO of a startup. And, you know, it was all like, it's all this weird game of costumes and faces. And, and I was able to say like, oh, I'm a CEO now and the world just treated me different. And then that would open up new opportunities. But it's really just like, getting together with a couple friends, getting, you know, a good idea. And what we did, I guess, is we I floated a bunch of ideas for you know, maybe six months. Like, what if we made a company that did this and this and this? And my wife would say, like, that's stupid. I'm like, okay, you're right, stupid. Or, you know, what if, what if we made a game that did this and this? And, like, I'd have one engineer that come to me and say, like, that's amazing. But I couldn't get the artist to sign on. And so once I had an idea that was strong enough that I could get my wife to uh, you know, be into the idea, and then also my, my engineers to be into the idea and my creative team to be into the idea, I had a little bit of money in my pocket to say, hey, I can't pay you much, but let's try this thing together. And we all like bought in on it. And that's when the moment happened. You're like, you can never do it yourself. But if you get a good small team around you, there's no stopping you from making anything at this day and age. I hear that again and again when it comes to innovation. Everybody says, I cannot possibly do this alone. This all has to do with my team. That's I, right. I would love to know what resources were especially helpful to you when you were doing that. Doing the trick-or-treat or doing the project? Well, actually doing the Honeybee Studios, but yeah. to expand that out, what also was helpful to you in doing virtual trick-or-treat for you, Seth? You know, so with Honeybee Labs, it was really great. You're right. I, part of it was like I couldn't do it by myself. And I had taken really everything I'd learned up to that moment and was just reapplying it in a new way. And the tablets had just emerged in the market. And so we are being a a tablet first based company, which was a terrible idea in retrospect, but it was a great idea back then. And we were, you know, some of the first titles to market kind of defining reading experiences in that moment. But 
one thing that really happened to me that really made all the difference for actually my whole career is that I intrigued someone who was like in tech leadership already. So he, he didn't invest in me. He didn't give me any money. He just was interested in the work I was doing. He was near retirement and really liked being in the game, like being in the birth of a startup. And so I would just have a call with him once a week and he was my mentor and he wanted nothing from me and he was just happy to help as much as he could. And he really taught me everything about business. Like I don't have an MBA. I didn't have any of that, that type of background. I was just a creative that made stuff. And he took the time to mentor me over, you know, six or eight months, once a week on the phone. And without him as a resource, I wouldn't have gotten as far as I had. And he's the one that gave me the the confidence and the courage to ask for what I want and really go for it. And, you know, without him, none of that would have worked. So if I were to recommend to anyone, like find a mentor, you know, there's, I think maybe I was before meeting him, I was very dismissive of the idea maybe, or like I didn't understand its value in the same way that maybe one might not understand the value of an internship when you're in college. Right. But finding that mentor and, and, even if they're not giving you money, if they're not helping you stay afloat as a business, they will, like the returns from it have lasted 15 years. Amazing advice for anybody who's thinking of following a dream as you did. I completely failed to ask you if there is a goal number that you would really love to raise with Trick or Treat for UNICEF this year with Virtual Trick or Treat. Oh, I don't want to say. I have my own goal number, but I don't know. I, the reason I'm hesitant is that this year we're trying something new, but we're also in the middle of a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And so like everything is up in the air. I have no idea. Like normally you can cast forward and say, oh, last year we did this and the year before we did that. So this year we should be able to do something. And you completely upend the apple cart and make it all digital. That's already one variable of, of craziness. Like you, it's really hard to predict. And then to say, oh, by the way, no one can trick or treat this year because there's a pandemic, like it's, it's almost impossible. If let's say if we raised $5 million, I would lose my mind. But you know, I'm, I think the realistic number is below that. And, and, you know, we'll just see where it goes, but I'll be happy to report back to you what we do. I would love to know. And that may not have been a fair question because of course, a lot of people are out of work and let's wish them very well. Well, And, and actually to that point, you know, one of the things that is most important about trick or treat is, is it's actually the money is the third priority, the second priority. Of course, we want to raise money, you know, and it all goes to a very, very good cause. And UNICEF is like a fantastic organization to work for. And they are really great stewards of that type of philanthropy. But for me, it's more about empowering kids to make a difference. And so actually, I'm glad you bring it up because another part of our platform that we're delivering is that you can unlock these trick-or-treat coins by doing things besides fundraising. Like, you know, if you don't feel comfortable going out and asking grandma for $5 or asking your neighbor for, you know, a dollar or whatever it is, you can just, there's videos on our platform you can watch. There's activities you can do. Like if you carve a pumpkin and take a picture of it and upload it to us, you earn, I think it's five coins that you can then spend on things in our platform. So equity and access and, and all that stuff is really important to me personally and important to us as an organization. And I don't want anyone to think that we only want fundraisers to be participating. It's really for everyone and watch a video a thousand times and earn a bunch of coins with me. Like, please. 
I want everyone to feel like they have the access to become empowered and realize like the power that your energy has to make a difference in the world. It's not about money. It's about your heart, your soul, and wanting to do right and give back. Exactly. What's next for you after Halloween's over and after virtual trick or treat for UNICEF? What's going to be happening with UNICEF Ventures? What you doing besides that? Yeah, so we have a platform called UNICEF Kid Power, which is kind of our year-round grade school program where kids get active through brain breaks to the classroom, both virtually, you know, in the virtual learning scenario, and also of the kids that are in the classroom. We see about 40% of teachers in our universe are actually in classroom and 60% are teaching at home. And that platform dovetails with the trick-or-treat program. So if you're a K-8 educator and you sign up for trick-or-treat, then you'll be left with Kid Power as your you know, day-to-day empowerment platform through the year. And then we you know, have some kind of big ideas in the works that are using both of these things, the Kid Power platform and the Trick-or-Treat platform as a springboard for the next evolution of what UNICEF is doing in the classroom, which is very exciting to me. It's also you know, for home users or after-school groups as well, but classrooms is where we really have our strongest footprint. I think we've been in one in 10 schools in the US with Kid Power. And I can't really say much more about what we're doing, but the work we did for trick-or-treat, and this is, goes back to the lessons learned you asked before, the work we did to get from this other platform to the trick-or-treat platform actually opened up a huge green field for us. You know, it was like a, a door opened and there's just like infinite possibilities in front of us. And now we just have to figure out which ones we want to seize and how big we want to go. And that's, that's really like, a, it's really thrilling for me. I'm already thinking, you know, six months in the future, five months in the future, even though Trick or Treat's about to launch, you know, in two days, I'm, I've shut the door on that and I'm moving, you know, a million miles forward because that's what product people do. And so it's, there's some really cool things coming around the corner. Meanwhile, UNICEF Ventures Kid Power Platform is an award winner. So about 18 months ago, we had the Games for Change Festival where we received the award for the most significant impact for our Kid Power platform, which, you know, as I said, that platform since its inception had allowed kids to unlock enough impact to save the lives of 100,000 severely malnourished kids around the country. And it was actually a goal of mine to be part of that world and be honored in that way. Like, you know, again, the ability to make purposeful content, it was so important to me. And it was just so great to connect with that community and see all the great things they were doing, everything that's coming out of it. And just like, even just to be near those people is great. Tracy Fullerton is the one who gave me the award was a, you know, she's from USC and their interactive school or was when I met her. And she is the one who inspired me most to go into the space. And she happened to be the one giving me the award that year. And so it was like this extra like full circle moment of saying like, this is exactly why I left the mainstream video games industry. And here we are together. And she didn't even like, she doesn't know who I am. I'm nobody in the world, but just like get that award from her was just so meaningful to me. It was, it was a really great moment. If people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you really love to take away from your work with UNICEF? <sighs> yeah, I would say that, that's a really great question. What I've learned most about joining UNICEF, like I said, I went from this for-profit world of making video games and 
I think it's Haruki Murakami, which is one of my favorite authors. He had a character who, whose job was like a magazine writer. Like he just wrote food reviews in a magazine and he called it shoveling cultural snow, which is, you know, it's a great job to have, but in the end you're just shoveling snow. And I really felt like that's what I was doing when I was making these video games. It was, it was fun. It was rewarding. I learned a lot, but I, I was shoveling cultural snow. And as I've progressed in my career, every step of the way I've been doing projects that are more and more aligned with ethical design, you know, purpose. And joining UNICEF was the first time I was able to say, you know, when they recruited me, I was like, I don't know what I can, I'm a video game guy. Like, I don't know what I can do for you really. And then they showed me and I was like, my stupid skill set can save lives. Like, you know, our kid power platform has saved a hundred thousand lives since we launched. And like to be able to do that to be able to say, Oh, the tips and tricks I know to retain users and get deeper engagement and blah, 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 blah can be used not to just get people to look at their screen longer or to, play this game more and give me $20, but to actually have purposes and save lives. Like there's no coming back from that. Like I'm a hundred percent in, and I would say to anyone who can, you know, purpose driven design is really, it's so much better than <laughs> anything else you could be doing in the, in the games or the interactive space. Ryan, thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thank you. You and I have been listening to Ryan Majeski, managing director of UNICEF Ventures. Virtual trick-or-treat for UNICEF is going on right now and continues through November 15th. And as Ryan mentioned, participants can also support the program through activities, as well as through donations. Individuals, homeschooling parents, and classrooms are all welcome to sign up. Find out more at trickortreatforunicef.org. That's trickortreatforunicef.org. that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.